As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. There's absolutely no denying that the job that Vieira has done this season has been pretty poor. Whilst there's fires everywhere, I feel like Bournemouth might have slightly just... You kind of feel like they could sneak under the radar and be the ones that sort of just crawl by their fingernails and by their, you know, by their toenails just over the finish line at the end of all this. I can see Leeds pulling away and it wouldn't surprise me if they got some out of the game against the against Wolves at the weekend. Hello, welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell and this is the Weekend Preview. I'm joined by George Ellick, Bet365, Steve Freeth and Dan Barnes as we focus on things at the bottom of the Premier League. With just five points separating nine teams, the battle for survival has never been tighter. Are Southampton doomed? Can Bournemouth back up their win over Liverpool at Villa Park and who'll come out on top as Wolves welcome Leeds? That's all to come here on the Weekend Preview. But first, we must get into the big breaking news this Friday morning. Patrick Vieira has left Crystal Palace. Bizarre timing, George. Have they panicked? Possibly. I mean, panicking has negative connotations the whole time. I mean, they've definitely acted swiftly and made a decision quickly, um, which you can't say was the case when they appointed Vieira. Uh, whether or not they panic will probably be decided after the event when we see who, whether or not they've got somebody lined up to replace him, who that person is. But there, there's absolutely no denying that the job that Vieira has done this season has been pretty poor and we spoke about this a lot on the show last week in terms of the massive drop-off not just in performances as a team and results but also just the style of play the individual form of certain players that the development of certain young players everything just seems to have stalled and from the outside looking in there's no obvious reason why that is in terms of, of coaching staff and personnel the innovation that Vieira seemed to bring with him just seems to have been parked and, and I can't really see why so uh, Palace are in a position now where the beginning of this season, relegation out of this league, given the progress they made in the previous 12 months, was, was basically unthinkable. And they're in a position now where it's it's very possible. And there's only one thing you can do in mid-March when you're facing up to the prospects of relegation. You can't sign anyone. You can't buy any players. You can't sack any players. You can only sack the manager and make, make a change in, in, in on the training ground. And that's what they've done. So I don't think it's a panic. Um, even if they are panicking, I think it's, it's it seems like the right decision to, to be made. Yes, the the timing's quite strange, but they're going to Arsenal. They probably don't expect to get anything out of the game. Maybe if there's any feeling that, that Vieira and his coaching staff are negative influences on the on the squad, they're hoping for for some kind of a release. But there's no suggestion of that. It'll just be interesting. You know, we're talking 25 minutes after the the news broke, and so we don't know who the name is being linked. If there's any prospect of someone being announced today, or if we're going to have another ridiculously long protracted manager search which we saw a couple of summers ago but Palace don't have time for the latter No Steve I'm talking about panicking but actually you know they're 11 games without a win now they've only scored 4 in 11 you could argue they've left it a little bit too long because they've been rotten since football came back after the World Cup 
they have been down, but at least they had a shot on target, didn't they, against Brighton? Finally, they uh, they went three games, didn't they, with having a shot on target? Uh, pleased for the young goalie that came in. Obviously, he did well, Joe Whitworth, for his uh, for his boyhood club. He was a positive, but eight, eight of another defeat. And I agree with what George says there. It's Arsenal away. They're twelve to one to get anything from Arsenal. Admittedly, historically, they have got some decent results against Patrick Vieira's old club in recent times. But it's probably the fixtures straight after Dan, after the international break, where of course they have time. Um, you know, a week, two weeks to. To sort this out, it's Leicester at home, it's Leeds away, it's Southampton away, it's it's Everton at home, and then it's and then it's Wolves, West Ham. Those are the games there. They've probably looked at that, and who knows, they may have somebody already in the building. You know how it works these days. You know, you, I'd imagine that, that, that teams do speak to managers prior to a manager being sacked, and you'd imagine that Crystal Palace will have irons in the fire, and uh, there could be a new appointment. Who it will be, we're just formulating the market. I'm sure that makes a good conversation for us guys as well, whether it be Feynman, Sam coming to the rescue again, or or the likes of Rafa Benitez, George mentioned Frank Lampard. It's uh, I'd be struggling, admittedly, to make a favourite for the job at this current. Just stage. to clarify, that's not a suggestion. That's just a you know, that's just saying that he's someone who's available. <laughs> I know you're not a founder member of the Frank Lampard managerial club, I, 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 admittedly, but I'm struggling no. to hang my hat on somebody who should should be favourite for this market. They could sign him to play the Conor Gallagher role. Intent that they could do with him for that. I think I'm, I'm Dan. I'm really struggling to, to come up with anyone. Yeah. I think. This was unthinkable a year ago because Vieira and Palace were going so well. But you'd assume they have got someone in mind, but there is no one obvious leaping out. So it, it does feel a risk from that perspective. I guess changing manager is always a risk there. No, absolutely. I mean, I think they're, I think they're really hoping for that fabled new manager bounce because I think it there'd been a bit of a malaise for just such a long time under Vieira. Um, here at the Athletic, Matt Woosenham did a piece um, back at the weekend, actually, before the midweek defeat, just looking speaking to fans um, and trying to figure out if there's any kind of sort of disconnect between, you know, match-going fans and then fans on the internet, which obviously there can be with a lot of fan bases. And it really wasn't the case. They were pre- Everyone was pretty much unanimous that they just really didn't enjoy football under Vieira. One of the most headline comments that someone said was said that watching it was torturous. Um, so ahead of those, you know, ahead of that fixture list that um, that Steve just mentioned, you know, they need somebody to come in to just sort of rejuvenate the whole place. Um, whether that's a very much a sort of short-term firefighter or, you know, you, you, it's not beyond the bounds that you could see them maybe hopping onto the kind of current merry-go-round and maybe, you know, going for one of the managers that's uh, that's left his post during this season, you know. Um, maybe Ralph Hasenhutl, if he's interested in the project, wouldn't be the worst shout. Or maybe even Jesse Marsh, who obviously went very close to uh, to joining Southampton just after leaving Leeds, um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. There, there isn't a, there isn't an obvious name that that bumps out, but yeah, they need whether it's a very tried and tested hand or someone else. You know, it really really needs needs something, don't they, with those games that are really going to decide whether they get clear of this relegation danger or not. Dan, I've got the tissue of a of a, of a first show from the people back in the office. And, and there must be a typo here because I've got Pochettino and Tuchel as, as, as single figures. That must be from another, <laughs> that must be from another manager. I think I need to take hold of this. He, uh, they have got Rafa Benitez as as as, as joint favourite with Nuno Espirito Santo uh, uh, currently as well. They have Bielsa in there. Um, let's let's just pretend I didn't mention per, uh, Poch or Tuchel as single figure prices, and then Allardyce, Carrick, Gerrard, Lampard. William Still, of course, will always get a mention in managerial markets. He's going to be the new Alan Kerbishley these days. He's going to be in absolutely every single market going. Um, so, yes. And, and and Jesse March at 25. Vincent Company at 50. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Rafa feels the most realistic to, to me out of all the names that, that you've just mentioned. But, yeah, definitely the top two that you mentioned. I, I don't see those two coming to Palace for a relegation dogfight at all. They've got Arsenal at the weekend, as we mentioned, and as Dan alluded to, you know, Palace, always a team that, you know, they went to the, the big teams and they, they caused them problems. You don't really envisage them causing Arsenal problems at the weekend, even if they do get some kind of bounce from whoever the caretaker manager is, George? No, probably not. Um, although they have the players at their disposal to do it. Oh, they've got Addison Edward. They do. And they need <laughs> they need a manager to come in and unlock the goal scoring 
wizardry. You're not letting that go, <laughs> Dan. You're not letting that go. <laughs> I wish I wish I could go back and listen to all the things Dan said uh, oh, over the course of the last been, couple there's of There's been many. There's been many. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Southampton in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of you know they have the players at their disposal to to trouble Arsenal. Um, you know maybe given the freedom to like to you know Zaha Eze and Elise should should be enough attacking threat against most sides. Um, and you know you think back to the first game of this season where. Arsenal won the game and I came on here and said afterwards that I, I didn't think the performance was all that, which is another pretty stupid thing I've said uh, when we've sat around <laughs> chatting. But you look at the trajectory of the two the two clubs since that game. I mean, if you think back to that game, there was genuine hope from Palace fans that they'd be able to challenge for Europe this season. And the negativity around Arsenal, who weren't really even seen as being top four contenders, let alone title contenders, was was massive. And you you know, you fast forward to now to, to March and you're looking at Palace sacking the manager for rele- relegation scrap. You know, as I said last week, there were I actually weirdly had to go and interview Frankie Dottori about um I reckon about forty no, about a year ago, pretty much a year ago today. And he told me then that he wanted Patrick Vieira to big Arsenal fan, he wanted Patrick Vieira to come in for Mikel Arteta, <laughs> which now You've absolutely is, thrown him under the bus there, George. Yeah, no, but it was on camera, it's fine. It was it's out in the okay. ether. But he, um, yeah, you look at what's happened now, and it's it, it's it's certainly not the case. It's who'll be in charge? We're not entirely sure, but you, you obviously think that Arsenal are going to win it. I'm just not going to sit here and say Arsenal will win, like a certain Tim Spears sat here last week and said Liverpool will beat Bournemouth because you know you can end up with egg on your face. Yeah, one one game ban for Tim Spears after last week's comments. Arsenal, of course, did get knocked out of the Europa League on Thursday night, but I'm not sure they'll be particularly bothered. I think they've got other irons in the fire at the moment that they're concentrating on. Let's look now at Forest v Newcastle, which is actually kicking off tonight at 8 o'clock. Forest are winless in five and taken two points from the last 15 available, having won three of their previous five before this run. 20 of their 26 points have come at home. Best record of any involved in the bottom nine. Dan, big one for Forest tonight if they're to, to stay up because they've been so rotten away. Home form is paramount. It is, it is. And I think, I believe he's still an injury doubt, but... Losing Brennan Johnson uh, last time out mm. against Spurs is just huge. I mean, he is he's kind of pretty much everything to that team in an attacking sense. Um, he started 24 or 26 games. Um, he's the top scorer in the Premier League, seven goals, two assists. Um, we also did a piece here at The Athletic where Paul Taylor looked at his impact and there was an interesting little statty nugget. I mean, in terms of the highest share of off-the-ball runs targeted by a teammate in the league, um, yeah. Brennan Johnson was top of that list with 48.1%. Yeah, um, and, you know, for, for a bit of context, you know, the next best was Gabriel Jesus uh, and then Erling Haaland was only at 31.6%. Um, so, yeah, it's his sort of importance to, um, to to Forrest, I don't think can be underplayed. Um, he is, has been named in the Wales squad for the international break. So you'd hope that if he does miss tonight's game against Newcastle, he is back for the uh, for some of the matches that they've got coming up. And, you know, they've got some particularly huge ones straight after the uh, after the international break. I mean, we spoke about the home record. You know, they've got Wolves at home and then they've got Leeds away. I mean, they're massive in the context of, you know, potential six-pointers as it goes. But, um, but yeah, you know, you do, you do sometimes worry about the the level of creativity they've got there, really. I mean, Morgan Gibbs-White has done quite well, but a lot of other forward players are either injured or out of form. Um, Tayo Awani has is, is, is been out for quite some time. Chris Wood is an injury doubt at the moment. So Steve Cooper's going to have to work some magic with the bits of that huge squad that are, that are left, really. Steve, I was at Forest on Tuesday, and actually, they've put themselves in a in a strong position. I think if you'd have offered them where they are at the moment at the start of the season, I think they'd have 100% taken it. If they can harness this home form and keep the home form running, they had a lot of big games towards the back end of the Championship season last season. You know, they're used to playing under pressure because they've been doing it for 12 to 18 months now. Do you think they'll be okay? The crowd, Dan, the city ground is 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 a huge plus for them. I mentioned previously when Stoke first came up, you know, the Bet365 was absolutely rocking and that's uh, that's the case at the city ground and I'm sure the fans will be behind them against Newcastle, likewise against Wolves after the after the break. And and they've taken some big scalps there at the city ground as well. They've been the bookmakers' friends really in in in, in not losing, you know, since the start of the season really against and, and taking some some vital points. As regards to the relegation market, we have them as joint third favourites actually, Dan. Currently the same price as Everton to go down at eleven to eight. So it's Southampton who currently had the market at four to nine and Bournemouth at four to six. One side that we didn't mention, which of course we've just talked about Crystal Palace, they are currently 
the ninth favourite to be relegated at 11 to 2. And I'm sure if you'd seen or if you speak to, you know, your person in the street would say, you know, would you have a five run, blah, 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 of course, gamble responsibly and all that. But for Palace at 11 to 2, I think it's um, out of all the prices, I think that could be the, the most tempting one. But Forest, home form will be key. I can see personally um, Forest surviving, although I think they'll lose against Newcastle United. Well, yeah, let's talk Newcastle. Got their first win in six games against Wolves last Sunday. They're four points off Spurs in fourth with two games in hand. Just quickly, Steve, what, what are the top four odds? Liverpool, of course, out the Champions League in midweek, so they're only really going for the fourth place now. Yeah, Manchester United are one to seven, Dan, with Tottenham at eleven to eight, Newcastle seven to four, and, and Liverpool at two to one, with Brighton at five to one. Again, we talked last week. I thought that they'd lost three games on the bench, Newcastle two nil, but of course there were. I think there were reasons for that. Of course, you're playing decent sides and you're playing with ten men against Liverpool for a while as well. He, he mixed it up anyhow, didn't he? Isaac coming to the side and 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 did extremely well. Looked like the number nine now to to carry them on to the end of the season instead of uh, Callum Wilson and. Um, he started six games and scored scored four, four goals. He's barely played 90 minutes. There's some positives for Newcastle. I'm not writing them off to finish in this top four. Yeah, and his interview after the game, I know he's been injured a lot, but he almost, almost seemed a little bit frustrated at, at how much he'd played in his interview after the game. If they can get him fit and firing, he could be the difference maker because he's a, he's a special talent for sure. Newcastle have still got to play West Ham away, Everton away, Southampton at home, Leeds away and Leicester at home. George, actually, they could play a crucial role in this massive relegation battle. Yeah, they could do. It's impossible to say how that will affect the relegation battle. I think the crucial thing about this is how it could impact the top four race because, as Steve said, it's very easy, especially when you've got a um, a side who are overperforming preseason expectations, that when they go through a bit of a, a rough patch, you kind of expect that they're going to fall away. When in reality, that can be partly down to a, 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 a fixture schedule that especially in the Premier League where you've got such a massive discrepancy between the top and bottom sides you know if you end up playing three of the top eight in a in a in a, in a five or six game spell then your expected points going into that is so far below what it would be when you're playing against the, the bottom teams so for Newcastle to be playing that clutch of sides who are, who are you know who are low down in the table at the moment is a massive advantage to them and when you're looking at you know, who's got the, the easiest games to play in the running. Um, there's a very good website called uh, Soccer Stats. They have a very good um, way of weighting games remaining and also looking at home and away. And it tells you the difficulty of, of teams' run-ins going forwards. And despite Newcastle having to play all those teams around them, um, they've actually, according to Soccer Stats, got the second most difficult fixtures between now and the end of the season. So maybe not that favourable towards them. Interestingly though, Palace have the easiest um, and that includes the Arsenal game this weekend. So there are two ways of looking at that, I guess. Either Vieira has been pretty hardly, harshly treated where he's been sacked with all these easier games still to come or this is quite smart from Palace where they bring in the new man after the Arsenal game um, with these easier fixtures ahead of them with that cushion between them and the relegation zone in the hope that he can do the bare minimum and lead them to uh, survival, curry favour with, with the Palace fans going forward and make the most of those easier fixtures. Interestingly, Bournemouth are also the side um, after Palace who have the easiest fixtures left in the league. So that could be um, a positive for them, not so much for Forest, who have the most difficult of anybody. Uh, so something to look out for there. Uh, for, for Newcastle, as we say, they'll, you know, they'll hope to, to win those games against those in the relegation battle, but um, yeah, maybe not so favourable as it looks on paper. Yeah, just back to Palace, because I obviously keep thinking about them today because of the news. It's weird, isn't it? Because I think if, on the face of it, if they were twelfth, they're always twelfth, Dan. They're all, they're always they're all, they've been twelfth since the start <laughs> of the season, man. Come on, but, but I know, I know. But forget points. If you if you'd have just told Palace fans at this stage they'd be twelfth in March, they probably wouldn't have been too upset. But because of the nature of the Premier League season in the bottom half and and how tight it is. 12th is a dangerous position to be in. It, it, it's really it's really strange this season. There's never been another season in the bottom half like, like this. I, I can't stop thinking about you know who's going to go down. It's, it's going to be really, really interesting. And, and when we come back after the break, we've got the Saturday 3 o'clock to talk about and everything is on the line there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The impact of Ruben Sellers has overall been positive one. Uh, Slamton have been in a jumble throughout the season, really, changing between systems, personnel, and, and managers. And I think Nathan Jones, I think when you look back at it in hindsight, it's two and a half, three months written off, really, in terms of how he tried to get the team to play. And Ruben Sellers came back in, and he basically went back to the fundamentals of Ralph Hasnettle. It's just whether Slamton have got a lot more to stay up. Obviously, they've only had two goal scorers since the World Cup, James Ward-Prowse, Charlie Alcaraz. They're really relying on set pieces. Ruben Sellers has done well in terms of shoring up the defence. I kept one clean sheet in 34 games before uh, Manchester United on Sunday. It's now three clean sheets in four uh, prior to the Brentford defeat. But there's still some way to go in terms of rectifying issues in both boxes. In terms of the recruitment, Slamson has spent £120 million across two windows. And for a club relatively small compared to other Premier League clubs, that's massive. But it's been kind of wasteful in hindsight now. I think they've signed 15 players. Uh, how many have really made a tangible impact? I think you could count on one hand, really, if you're if you're being optimistic. The likes of Mislav Forsic, Joe Ariba, Duje Seletasar, the players that or the recruitment department thought they'd be the experienced guys, they're not even getting into the squad at the moment. And I think that's probably fundamentally the issue going into the season and as it's transpired throughout the season. At the start of the season, I was feeling that Ralph Harsnittle should have gone then. He kind of ran the end of his road, the cycle being complete. I think Slamton wanted to wait till the World Cup break to get a new manager in. And Ralph Zankerson, who's the co-founder of Sport Republic, the guy that has the overarching say in all decisions, all major decisions at Slamton, been, had been monitoring Nathan Jones for three to four months. Uh, before that, had been a fan of him What during his time at Brentford, whilst Jones was at Luton in his first spell. So Jones was his man and ultimately the own onus and the responsibility will fall on Ankerson. I could have stayed in a mining community and be a PE teacher and had a nice life, married a nice Welsh girl and all those things. Beautiful. But don't, I want to test, test myself on every little, and that's nothing against Welsh, Welsh girls, by the way. Uh, Spurs on Saturday is going to be difficult, especially after the Brentford defeat, a real setback. Sounds, I think, They've scored in every game against Spurs in the last 14 meetings. So, you know, they're not out of the equation. It's just whether they can pick themselves up after the midweek defeat. So, you know, Slanton have got the worst home record in the Premier League. They've won two there all season. And, you know, it's really flat at the moment in St Mary's. And I think it would probably at the moment require a minor miracle, maybe an even a major one, to get out of that. And they need a result going into the game against Spurs, especially with the international break on the horizon too. That was the Athletic Southampton writer Jacob Tanswell there on the Premier League's bottom club and the tail of their season. Now we're going to look at the Saturday 3 o'clock games. It's Villa Bournemouth, Brentford v Leicester, Southampton v Spurs and Wolves against Leeds United. George, as Jacob mentioned there, it's Spurs at home for them this weekend. Just two home wins and 11 goals scored at St Mary's. Are you giving them much of a chance against Tottenham? I guess it depends which Spurs turn up. Well, Spurs' away form is really, really poor. Um, so, you know, if you look at the reason why Spurs fans are, are pretty nonplussed about the club at the moment and about Antonio Conte's management, one reason for that was obviously them being knocked out of the Champions League with a whimper. But the other reason is their away form. They've, they've lost their last four away games in all competitions. Three of, the, three of those defeats, I mean, one was at the San Siro, but three of those defeats were in the Premier League against Wolves and Leicester. A 4-1 humbling defeat to a relegation threatened side and then a 1-0 loss to Wolves. And then the other was the, the 1-0 defeat at Bramall Lane to Championship Sheffield United. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely giving Southampton a chance because even though they are still pretty poor and, you know, Brentford made them look 
very, very ordinary in midweek when beating them 2-0 and coasting to victory. We have seen a couple of games under Ruben Sellers where they've looked at least solid. Yes, it was 11 v 10 for most of the game, uh, but against Manchester United, they looked okay. Uh, we saw them beat Leicester 1-0 before that. So, you know, a, a Spurs side who've scored one goal in the last four on the road, a Samson side who look a little bit more solid as well. Things not necessarily going going right at Spurs. I'm not sitting here saying I think Saints are going to win, but given Samson beat Chelsea 1-0 away from home fairly recently and that we've seen Bournemouth beat Liverpool, it would be silly to sit here and say that Spurs are going to turn up to St Mary's and, and put in a, a performance far better than what we've seen from them recently. So I'm sure Saints fans won't expect anything, but a point would be an okay result, how much that would help them in getting out of the relegation battle, I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah, Phil Hay and Duncan Alexander wrote a piece on The Athletic this week with a wide overview on the state of the relegation battle. Part of it focused on managerial changes. Southampton, of course, of May too, and it was wonderful to hear a soundbite from Nathan Jones in that audio package. But Dan, uh, Jacob kind of talked about that time be- being a write-off. I guess he's right. You can't afford to make mistakes like that, especially when it's so tight between so many teams in the bottom half. No, absolutely. And that Southampton's uh, Southampton's board and the, the sort of the decision makers at St Mary's they're going to live and die by that decision. Really, um, if they if they are lucky enough to stay up, then it will just probably go down as a sort of hilarious sort of tragic comedy episode of the season sort of do you remember remember when we had Nathan Jones um if they if they manage to be relegated and you know there isn't a, a good end to this story then fingers will be pointed at people who you know whoever came up and decided Nathan Jones was the right appointment at that time because obviously it was just there was just a sort of negativity and a toxicity that he brought and it was <laughs> disastrous all ends up really it's interesting obviously Ruben Sellers came in, um, I believe, from Copenhagen at the start of the season to sort of join the management team and was clearly, when you bring in an assistant, a new assistant manager, obviously there's they have a lot of influence on goings on behind the scenes and his sort of influence on that team, um, you know, will be, they've had a big influence basically. And it feels strange that obviously that they kind of went for an external appointment when they, uh, in Nathan Jones, when they kind of probably must have been thinking of, that Sellers was the next next one to sort of take over from Ralph Hassan to uh, Ralph Hassan Hootel if he did go. Um, now he's there. He does seem to have improved things a little bit. Um, you just you know they have, they've had some good results, um, but they yeah you, you you just wonder sort of what you're going to get from Southampton. There's been a, there's been a big sort of recruitment drive there. They've brought in a lot of players. They've, they've spent quite a lot of money in January, particularly to bring in a few more people like Suleimana, Onuachu, Alcaraz, who has got off to a very good start. Um, so they're kind of a bit of a bit of an unknown quantity, but, you know, you, it kind of it has to sort of make some very brutal decisions there. I mean, I think some players who have been part of the furniture there have to just accept that they're going to be, they're going to be on the bench. They're going to be on the sidelines. He has to just see what's there, pick be brutal in decision-making and just pick the best players who are going to give them the best chance of improving this home record. And I guess, like, you know, I guess we just suck it and see, really. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all you can do at this point. Steve, just on Leicester, they're one of the few now that haven't changed manager, that haven't had a new manager bounce. That's Leicester, West Ham and Forrest who haven't changed manager in the bottom nine. Although I guess Forrest did kind of get a new manager bounce by giving Steve Cooper a new contract. But with Leicester... It does just feel like a kind of a marriage of convenience at the moment between Rodgers and, and them. It does, Dan. It's what is it? Five defeats on the bounce. If you include the the surprise defeat against against Blackbird, they're they're struggling for goals currently. I know we've relied on Vardy over the years to for his brilliance. He's he's showing signs of age. They've been very reliant on James Madison. His xG compared to his actual goals this season, he's, he's probably five goals apart. Really, he's he scored some absolute worldies and continues to be the main man for Leicester as they need to try and get out of this trouble. And and it's and you look at the fixtures, it's of course these fixtures this weekend are the reversal ones to the beginning of the season. And when you look at the relegation prizes, how these two sides have differed, Brentford were actually nine to four to be relegated and Leicester City at fourteen to one. You'd probably like a bit of fourteen to one an hour about Leicester going down with Brentford, any price you want, of course, to be relegated. And these, you know, you know what it's like as a football fan. You look at the fixtures, you think, oh, yeah, we'll probably, we could beat Brentford, we could beat Fulham. These sides are just very good now and they're very difficult to beat, as, as Leicester will find out this weekend. And then their first game after the international break, Danny's Crystal Palace, who could have a new managerial bounce. Obviously, managerial uh, bounces after March don't don't tend to work. And then they'll look at a couple, couple of uh, winnable games against Villa and against Bournemouth. But the atmosphere at the King Power isn't as great as it used to be, quite clearly. Although from a bookmaker point of view, they are six favourites at 130 to go down. So 
maybe all not lost for this season. Be a big season, for a big summer for Brendan Rodgers, I would imagine, at, uh, at Leicester. If you talk about looking at the fixtures, whenever my team's been involved in a relegation battle, I just look at every game and think, oh, we've got no chance there. <laughs> I, I'm the opposite. I, I, I can never see where where points are, are coming from. It is amazing how there are probably, I reckon, 15 clubs in the country right now where the fans are saying, I can't see where the next point comes from. Teams, it's, These runs don't continue. League. You don't get teams You don't get teams who finish on kind of 10 points at the end of the season normally. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Well, you're not going to need 40 it's points to feel this season. you're in the midst of a bad run. You're not going to no, need... No, you're not going to need... Yeah, no, mid, no. 35, I would say. I would say 35 would see you safe. With a whole load of teams down there taking points off each other, it ain't going to be 40 points. True. Yeah, there is that aspect of... Obviously, it's, you have to play another team. So, yeah, you, you're right there. Leicester, actually, George, one that I... Out of all of them, they're the ones that probably I would be worried for the most. Madison struggled with fitness over the over the last twelve months. When he's missing, they they just don't look the same, and they're on a bad run at the moment. I think they're what they're the ones that could, that could be the surprise that, that do get pulled in. I say pulled in, they're, right they're, they're already there, aren't they? But you know, do, do you know what I mean? I, I can see them finishing yeah. the bottom three. I've said that I I I think the Leicester are the bet to get relegated. Pretty much every week we we discuss relegation battle. Haven't backed them stupidly, obviously. Uh, at at hundred to thirty now, I think that that still remains the case. You know, you look at their their recent form; they've lost four games on the bounce, um, and deservedly so. I mean, those fixtures again. We talk about how fixtures can can kind of skew things. Three of those were against United, Arsenal, and, and Chelsea. You know, maybe unfortunate to come up against a Chelsea side who seem to be back in in some decent form, uh, but they were unable to to go to Southampton and come away with anything, which is a pretty damning indictment of where they are. And those back-to-back games where they scored four goals uh, in each against Villa and against Spurs, um, when everyone thought finally Brendan Rodgers had turned it around, it would have been unthinkable then to say, well, you know, you're going to be winless in your next four and and look as poor as they have done. Um, Madison is is clearly such an important player. It'd be very interesting to see what happens to him in the summer if if, if Leicester do get relegated, because there will be a queue of, of, of clubs looking to take him. But yeah, I think they're in massive trouble. And basically a squad of players and a manager who just aren't really built for this. You know, they aren't really built for a relegation scrap and, and don't really have much experience of it. And probably for a lot of the players don't really fancy it either. Um, this isn't where they want to be at this stage in their careers. They thought they were signing for an incredibly ambitious, upwardly mobile club with aspirations to play in Europe. It's it's a mess. And I, and I of all the clubs down there at the moment, I really worry for, for Leicester if they, because this is just not part of the plan, if they do get relegated, where that where this will leave them, because their squad will be decimated, and you know we, we know about the financial issues they've had over the last year or so in terms of what they've been able to spend. So um, yeah, it's a it's a worry. Dan, let's talk about Bournemouth. They're on twenty four points and are currently the final side in the bottom three, but they are level on points with Leicester. Steve just said he doesn't think it will take forty points to survive this season. And Bournemouth do kind of feel like they've got that little bit of momentum now, and I guess a bit like Forest. If you'd have offered them the chance of being in this position in touch at this stage of the season, I think they would have taken it. They would, they would. I feel like whilst there's fires everywhere, I feel like Bournemouth kind of might have slightly just, you kind of feel like they could sneak under the radar and be the ones that sort of just crawl by their fingernails and by their, you know, by their toenails just over the finish line at the end of all this. I mean, Gary O'Neill hasn't been the most sort of thrilling appointment, but, and I think Bournemouth fans will be the first to say that they've not always been enamoured with the kind of football that he plays. There's a lot of five at the back, a lot of sort of hold on to what we've got and then try and see if we can attack teams on the counter. But you know, out of nothing, that played played out absolutely perfectly against Liverpool um, last time out. Um, that's I don't think you can understate how big those those three points are. And they ma- they made a few additions in January. I mean, um, it's uh, been Dan- a lot of money. They did, they did. And Dango, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Obviously, Dango Watara um, has been pretty much a revelation. I mean, he just sort of brings. He brings that kind of pace on the counter attack. He brings, he's, he's set up, I think he's got three assists already. Um, he kind of just gives them, particularly with um, Marcus Devernier having been injured for quite a bit, he gives them that sort of ability to go from back to front quite quickly. Um, and that's quite big. I mean, look, Bournemouth, you know, particularly in their last two games, you know, they've, they, they, came, they gave Arsenal a hell of a fright at the Emirates, obviously losing 3 2 and succumbing to a late goal. They've beaten Liverpool. So going into games against Aston Villa, Fulham and Brighton, despite how upperly mobile Fulham and Brighton are, you know, they're going to, they're going to feel like they, you know, they can sort of take a bit of a swing at these teams. I think they've feel like they've kind of found themselves really, if that makes sense, a bit of, bit of struggling for what they were. Um, and when sort of, you know, the Scott Parker reign kind of came to an end, but I feel like, 
yeah, I, th- I feel like there's some there's some talented players there that potentially people haven't quite taken notice of, notice of. And yeah, I kind of have something of a relatively good feeling about them, really. Yeah, they're away at Villa at the weekend. Got a good record against Villa over the years as, as well. I don't think Villa have beaten them at home since the 70s. So they've got a bit of momentum, Bournemouth. You know, I wouldn't write them off at all at, at the moment. Another important game down the bottom is the relegation six-pointer, which is Leeds travelling to Wolves. These six-pointers are going to be massive, George, because of the nature of how tight it all is. Yeah, of course. You know, I think often the losing side can feel terminal after these, and often yeah. you can see how quickly things can can turn. You know, it feels like because you're playing a relegation rival. You know, I think if this was a six-pointer in a in a race where three teams had to get relegated out of four and there were two teams within that four playing each other, then it's huge. I think when you've got so many down there all competing, yes, it's not ideal that you're dropping three points and it's a team within, um, you know, in your little uh, clutch of teams who are picking up three points. But it's not terminal because there are going to be other teams around you that drop points and, and you've got the opportunity next time to, to put it right. It does feel maybe more so for, you know, if Leeds were to lose this one and that would be Wolves pushing themselves since it was pretty far clear of of, of the drop zone, uh, rather than for Wolves, who if they lose this game, you know they're still going to be um, out of it with with a fair few teams between them and the bottom three. So obviously they're massive, um, and that will be seen in the the atmosphere between these two clubs, both of whom will be absolutely desperate not to return to um, the EFL. Let's remember that both these sides dropped down to League One um, and their their time out of the the Premier League, and I think probably given the ambition of of the owner the ownership groups of both they would have anticipated that their promotion to the premier league would then be followed by a return to former glories and challenging for europe rather than relegation battles so you know i'm not going to start um ranking the teams of who for, for whom relegation would be the most damaging because there's no team down there who'll want to be there you know you even look at forest and you know for them to return back to the championship the first time of asking having spent so long out of the top flight would be incredibly difficult for their fans to take but for, for Leeds and Wolves this was this was not part of the script this was not what the fans were expecting this is not what the owners were expecting and they've tried to operate in a way that would ensure this wouldn't happen George as well just do you also think as well like if you look at a normal season you know you might have you might look at sort of the next six games and think okay we've got we've got a six pointer against them coming up and a six pointer against them coming up whereas this season they're just sort of coming at you from all angles because there's almost this mini league yeah. of relegation threatened teams you know i'm just like looking at fixtures just picking them off the top of my head you know we've got uh, bournemouth have got Le- bournemouth against leicester is soon you know crystal palace uh, against southampton is soon uh, obviously leeds against wolves is soon and then they play forest and crystal palace again soon picking more out forest are- against, uh, I don't know, Leeds, you know, they're just sort of coming at you from all angles and that sort of terminal feeling. You could be hit with that sort of, you know, four weeks out of six. That's why I think the, the genuine six-pointers, and we don't know what the, what the table will look like, but on, on final day, we've got Everton hosting Bournemouth. We've got Leicester hosting West Ham. We've got Palace hosting Forest. Th- those are the ones, like, where if, if we get to a situation on final day where both of those teams are in a relegation scrap, both could go into the, game, go into the day mathematically, mathematically possibly going down then that's where the the kind of six pointer thing really comes true you're right this is a league of eight teams so it's not a six pointer every week but similarly yeah nine teams sorry i don't know who i'd relegated i, I, um, I wondered who you discounted there <laughs> i'll tell you what was ballsy though um javi gracia the way he played in front of the ellen road crowd against brighton because normally the leeds fans are just so so behind the team it's gunko and it, it's up and at them in the faces and his temperament, I thought, for the way that he just, his game plan, okay, might have been a bit of luck involved there, but the way he just sat off Brighton, let let them have the ball, I think under normal circumstances, they might have got picked off quite a bit and Brighton might have left there with three points. I thought that was a very clever bit of management from the, from the new manager. I think it's a very good appointment. I think Leeds will be safe. Even though they are 6-4 to four for relegation, I can see Leeds pulling away and it wouldn't surprise me if they got some out of the game against, the, against Wolves at the weekend. I tell you what, with all with all these teams, I mean, match of the day, obviously, fingers crossed it actually happens, but the, the end of the season match of the day where we switch between grounds is going to be absolutely glorious. I'll start, start, start doing that now. Let's, let's, let's go early on that and, and, and start doing it this week. I mean, we talk about talk about the fixtures and Daniel saying about these high-pressure fixtures every week. Wolves have got Leeds and Forest either side of, of the international break. Huge, huge games. Just quickly cross to our West Midlands football expert, Steve Freeth. Do, do you think Wolves will be okay? 
Well, I think at all the teams at the bottom, Dan. I, well, I think the managerial appointments. I think all of them have. have I mean, that's had the best yeah, impact. Um, but then I think they are. It's the first one, and we've left it quite late to say recency bias. I, I think we can we can look at it and see the results that Wolves have had against against Liverpool and Spurs, and thinking, okay, Wolves are going to be safe. But then I thought defensively that performance against against Newcastle wasn't great. Obviously, the Bournemouth one at home as well. Two big games coming up either side of the break. I know Craig Dawson, as, as an Albion fan, he's, 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 has, has done well there. Still struggling for goals. Tim Spears isn't here, so I'm not going to rise to the bait. I think, yes, Wolves are going to be safe. If Tim was here, I'd, no, they're in an absolute relegation scrap, <laughs> and I can't wait for it. Nah, but they'll be safe. I think Wolves they'll are safe. safe. Yeah. I think Wolves will be safe. They've got, they have, out of all of them, they're the team, I think, have got the least chance of go, of going down out of everyone in that bottom line. Wolves won't go down. Um, right then, trivia. Leicester and Nottingham Forest are both aiming to avoid being relegated for a fourth time from the Premier League. Six clubs have experienced at least four relegations during the Premier League era. Who are they? Norwich. They have that sinking feeling yet again. Correct. West Brom has to be one. one. Yeah. It has to be one. They have that sinking feeling yet again. Two for two. Uh, I said Albion, didn't I? No? Uh, yeah, but there was a delay, so I'll take the credit for that one. Um, <laughs> four times. Um, There's a few times I can think of that might have been Chef three, United. I'm not convinced no, they've been four. No. It was that bad, we were actually laughing. Steve rushed in. Leicester City? It was that bad, we were actually laughing. No. Borough? They have that sinking feeling yet again. This is harder than I thought. I thought that's an easy question when I read it. It's actually not. No, it's not. Sunderland? They have that sinking feeling yet again. There you go, four, yeah, two more. Two Fullestly more. played, well done. Two more to get. I think I just had a wrong answer, but I won't say it again. Fulham, I think they're three. It was that bad, we were actually laughing. You've said it's wrong, and then you've said it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I said <laughs> it, for, you, you've got to play by the rules of the game. You got to, I said it, and then I uh, thought it was wrong. Yeah, but but we've got, we've got, got, to, go we've got away answer. with it. You've got to take every advantage <laughs> in these battles, George. <laughs> Newcastle have only been twice. It was that bad, we were actually laughing. No, no, that wasn't a yeah. guess, that wasn't a guess, that was just, <laughs> no, just talking. No, that's not a guess. It was just talking, we were just uh, having a conversation. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday. It was that bad, we were actually oh. laughing. Oh, no, I about panicked. That's like what guessing Swindon. Watford. They have that sinking feeling yet again. There it is. I don't think we'd have got the, the last one. Bolton. It's actually, no, Palace. Ah. Palace, I don't think we'd have got that, even though we spent the whole podcast talking about them. I'm yeah. not sure we would have got Crystal Palace. Good quizzing, good quizzing. A few rush, a yeah. few rushed answers. Producer also taking answers that weren't answers. But I'd say we got four out of six. Well, no, because Dan got what? I'd say we got five out of six there. But we did chuck a few guesses in at, at the end. But not not a bad effort. Enjoyed the quiz segment. And next, we'll get into Everton's trip to Stamford Bridge. It was that bad. We were actually laughing. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. This is the weekend preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. It's Chelsea v Everton Saturday tea time and we heard earlier from the Athletic Southampton writer Jacob Tanswell on the situation at St Mary's and ahead of Everton's trip to Chelsea, Paddy Boyland has given us his take on the impact Sean Dyche has made at Goodison Park thus far. Sean Dyche has taken 10 points from his first seven games as Everton manager. If they continue with that points per game ratio between now and the end of the season, then Everton should be fine and avoid the drop. In the main, it's been a positive start to life on Merseyside for Dyche, particularly given he's already faced Arsenal twice and Liverpool away, and it's given supporters a renewed sense of hope that Everton can indeed avoid relegation. Goals, quite evidently, are still a big issue, as they have been all season. At the time of recording, Everton are the joint lowest scorers in the Premier League, but they are at least making some progress in terms of chance creation. Everton are a major threat now from set pieces. It's James Tarkovsky! Instant inspiration! And a freed-up midfield as Abdullah Dukore and Amadou Onana to arrive late in the box, get on the end of crosses and create opportunities of their own. Dyche also hopes Dominic Calvert-Lewin will soon be available to return. We're still monitoring the situation, being careful. He's being careful with his body, trying to give him every opportunity. wasn't overly in my thinking for the, the Chelsea game, regardless of anything else, because obviously the, the window comes and you can hopefully use that even more wisely. So uh, the international window, the international break. Um, yeah, we're just monitoring his body and he's monitoring it too. The return of Calvert-Lewin to the starting lineup would be a massive boost, obviously, for, for Dyche and Everton, particularly given their, their preference for direct play and crosses into the penalty area. Everton know they need to avoid relegation at all costs. They've racked up heavy losses over the last three to four years and have a new stadium close to the waterfront to fund. Very few members of the current squad have relegation clauses either, although this apparently has already started to change since the arrival of Kevin Thelwell as director of football. When Farhad Mashiri spoke about Everton being at an existential point in their history, the threat of relegation was almost certainly what he meant. Everton face Chelsea on Saturday at Stamford Bridge, buoyed by their win over Brentford last time out, but aware too that Gray and Potter's side are starting to click and find their form. Dice has yet to make inroads into Everton's poor away form, which continues to be a substantial problem. They've won just once on the road all season, drew 2-2 last time out against Nottingham Forest and lost 4-0 to Arsenal the game before. That away form will need to change if Everton has survived this season. I love that piece of music. I don't know why I like it so much, but I really do enjoy that Everton run out music. <laughs> Great piece of music. Uh, Dan, how much of a factor will Dominic Calvert-Lewin's fitness be in the running? I was speaking to someone yesterday and they were telling me that Everton are looking at even things like how he sits in his car, what car he drives and things like that in a bid to try and get him fit. They need him fit because he is a goal scorer. Yeah, he's been a he's been a huge miss for such a long time for Everton. I mean, if you, if you jump back... I mean, possibly a full season, maybe a season and a half. You know, he was one of the he's one of the top strikers in the Premier League. You know, in, in that top ten, without 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 a doubt. I mean, um, you know, he went to went to the World Cup uh, or went sorry went to the European Championships with England as the uh, as the sort of backup striker behind Harry Kane, and he's just not been fit for such a long time. But you kind of heard Sean Dyche speak about it there. I mean, he's there's so much sort of trepidation on the way that they're nursing him back, and it does feel like you know they may still resist the temptation to throw him in against Chelsea and just use the international break to get him fit. But if they could get him fit, you know, you'd think surely he's a dream for a Sean Dyche system. You know, he's uh, so good in the air, such an athlete. Um, yeah, I think for Everton, you know, having him back could be the kind of boost they need. I mean, they need a boost there, as sort of has been spoken there by by Paddy. I mean, they're utterly dreadful away from home, so they really do need, need, need a boost. But, you know, with I think that win over Brentford was, was huge. I mean, that's a big, big result, so... I guess, can we see if they can build on that against Chelsea? 
Yeah, it was less than two years ago. Dominic Carver-Lewin was the number two striker to Harry Kane in the, in the England squad at a, a major tournament. So if that can get him back, Everton, he'd be a real, real help. But also get him back to some kind of the form he was showing a few years ago. Quick word on Chelsea, George. Chelsea backed up their win over Dortmund last week with a win at Leicester. Is Graham Potter on the way to finding a fix at Stamford Bridge? I guess in terms of timing of fixtures, Everton will fail. This is a bad time to play them. Yeah, it's quite rare, I think, that you see your manager under the amount of pressure that Graham Potter was under to see that subside. I, I still think he's not out of the woods. I think there are a lot of Chelsea fans who've, who've made up their mind about Potter. But so long as they're in the Champions League and so long as they're winning games in, in the Premier League, um, and I think there's now an understanding probably within the fan base that the culture at Chelsea has changed. They've gone from having an incredibly trigger-happy owner to one who's clearly looking to give managers as much time as possible. So I'm not convinced personally that their performances have changed that much. I think the difference is that Chelsea players have started finishing their chances um, a bit more and a bit more often, which was always going to be the case when that ridiculous um, trend of, 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 of how wasteful they'd been, one one goal in 85 shots or whatever it was. But for Potter, it just gives them some, some breathing space. And, you know, this is a tricky game for them. We know Sean D- how difficult Sean Dyche will make it. But back to, I think they've got three home games in a row now, uh, Everton, Villa and, and Liverpool. I think they'll continue to pick up points fairly regularly between now and the end of the season. Yeah, since we've landed on a system and, and, and personnel a, a bit more now, which is a key thing for Potter. Right then, those are our future games to look out for this weekend with the Premier League weekend looking a little something like this in full. It gets underway on Friday with Nottingham Forest against Newcastle. There's no early Saturday game in the Premier League due to the FA Cup sixth round. Then at three, we've got Aston Villa Bournemouth, Brentford Leicester, Southampton Spurs and Wolves v Leeds. Everton head to Chelsea in the tea time kickoff, and then on Sunday there's just the one game at two o'clock as Arsenal take on managerless Crystal Palace. Steve, end of the podcast, but before we do go, let's do the six scores challenge. Yeah, okay, Dan, here we go. Money up for grabs, million pound. You know the rules. You're in charge now of putting it putting it on because I can't be relied upon. Well, I was going to, yeah, I'm going to speak to the producer about that, but I will start with you for uh, Aston Villa Bournemouth, Dan. Uh, 2-1 to Villa. Actually, I'm going to change that completely. 1-0 to Villa. Okay. and let- It'd be 2-1 now and that'll cost us a million. <sighs> True, okay. Brentford Leicester. 3-1 to Brentford. Okay, Dan, we have Southampton Tottenham. 2-0 Tottenham. Okay, and Wolves leads? Going to go one all. Okay. Georgie Boy, let's go with Chelsea Everton. one all. And we'll finish with Arsenal Crystal Palace. 2-0. Arsenal? Yes. Against Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace? <laughs> no? Still yes. Okay, still yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> There we go, boys. Thank you. Thanks very much, Steve. Do, do we do we ever do well on these? Do we ever get anywhere no. near? I, I never I never check afterwards. Or we always no, no, you do get cash prizes for three, four, and five as um, as well. So uh, I, I, we've not hit those. We heights. haven't hit those heights as yet. But there's always a first no. time, especially with this busy Cheltenham week. It'll be good to uh, have that million between us four and the producer. Let's not forget the because he the moans producer. after everyone. What about me? What about me? Yes, <laughs> yeah. we're talking about you, producer guy. We'll have to give Tim 50p as well. If that's we, if 50, we do that's 50p week. too much in my house. Yeah, I thought, I thought you might say something along those lines. Come out of your show. <laughs> that's it here from us at the Weekend Preview. Chappers is going to be back on Monday here on the Athletic Football Podcast. But until then, enjoy your weekend, enjoy all the football, and thanks for listening. The Athletic.